0: Romans 12, verses 6-8. If you are there, say Amen. I read, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the need of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome somebody near you. Say you are welcome to the house of God. Praise the Lord. Today should have been a Dickens Sunday, but it's been deferred. And But the message we have talks about service. We'll be talking about stewardship through service. Because all of us are saved to serve. So I'll be emphasizing that and celebrating our people. And eventually calling on all of us to find some form of structured service in the house of God, as that is what God has gifted us for. Let us pray. Gracious God and Master, we thank you again for your love for us. We invite you, if we would say, to speak to us. Because you are such a God that even though you have all things, you do not force yourself on us. Therefore, with open hearts, may we hear you today and do your bidding. I ask this in Jesus our Lord and Savior's name. And for his sake. Amen. Stewardship through service. The essence of this message is that God has given each one of us gifts and talents we can use to build his church. And that should not be any news to anybody here. If you are a new believer, that's a different story. You'll be taught later on. But if you are a believer, you'll be coming to church. For a while, you've heard it over and over again. But today, I would like us to look at a couple of passages again before I go to this, so that we we will get what the Lord wants us to emphasize today. I'm saying the message is that God gives each one of us a gift or a talent, whether it's natural talent or whatever, so that you can use it in building his church or building his kingdom. If you look at first Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, a teacher, has looked at the Corinthians and the way they were so gifted. But they were just a church that were like us. They were so gifted. But they can also misbehave big time. They could misbehave big, big time. I was not there, but I could tell that they even used their gifts to insult people. Uh, because some time ago, it used to happen in Accra. Uh, there are people who can actually even insult you in tongues. The only way you will know they are insulting you is the hand that they add to it. Then you know they are insulting you. All right. So Paul gives them this advice. That God, who has called you, has given you a gift. He has laid a foundation. And that foundation is Christ. He died for you. But he has given you gifts and talent. And so, be careful how you use it. So look. For no one can lay... Any other foundation than that which already has been laid by Jesus Christ. If you are saved, you are saved because he has laid the foundation. Say hallelujah. Go to the next verse. Then he said, now, please continue on the first Corinthians. Look at 10, 11, 12. Now, let's read verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and precious stones or costly stones wood, hay, or stubble. So he's talking about the kind of material that you can use in building on a foundation. He's assuming that you have the foundation that's provided by Christ. But you can choose what you use to build on. And there are two types of materials here. Those that are enduring like gold, silver, and precious stones. But those that um uh, wood, hay, and stubble that you see fire can destroy easily. Then he adds the work that you do will be judged on the last day. It will be judged by water or by what? Fire. It will test the quality of what you are doing. And fire will burn wood, hay, or stubble. But fire will purify silver, precious stones, and gold. They refine those things through fire and they become better. But for wood, when the fire burns it, it is gone. We can make many applications of that. But one of the immediate applications is that when God gives you gifts, there are certain attitudes that you can adopt towards using that gift that will make it gold. But you can also do it In such a way that the same gift you use, it becomes wood, hay, stubble. Let's say you have a melodious voice. You pray, you sing, you are anointed, and God knows you are ministering. And you also know you are ministering. It may be gold. Your voice may not be the best. But you can see, oh, you are just coming because you have a nice voice. Do, do. You sing, and we all hear, we are mesmerized. But God knows, and you also know. That for this one, there. Yeah. I just did something. That's what he's warning us about, that we should be careful. And sometimes the difference is in your consecration, your attitude, your prayer, and your acknowledgement that it is God who is using you. Are you with me? Now let's turn to the passage we read again today. I'll use another uh, for with the message. So, message is going back to these gifts. And we are not treating all the gifts, the particular ones that have been chosen for today, from Romans chapter 12, from verse 6 to 8. Look at the qualifiers, if you have another version of the Bible, look at the adjectives, look at how you are encouraged to use this gift. Paul starts by saying, because of the mercies of God, because God has saved you, he has bought you with a price, he has already laid a foundation, he has given you gifts. Go ahead. And whatever you are doing, do it without enviously. Without enviously or pridefully comparing yourself with each other. Don't envy. Don't compare yourself with others. But those are the destructive tendencies. Now, then he says, or trying to be something you aren't. Trying to make yourself Eh? What you don't have, you have it. What God hasn't told you, you add it to it. God has told you somebody is going to be somebody will be sick. That's a word of knowledge. And therefore you add, give me money and I'll pray for you. Or come for this oil, I'll add to it and add to it. He said, Don't do that. Because you are going outside bounds. Don't add to it. Or trying to be something you aren't. It calls for appreciating yourself. Friends. I'm a, I am a teacher. I am a preacher. But I also know that I don't teach and I can't preach to children very well except when I'm encouraging them. Alright? Everybody has their field. And certainly I can't preach in French. I can't preach in German. Everybody has their limit. But it says if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. Don't do politics with it. Preach God's message. Next one. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you are helping somebody, help the person. Don't capture the person. Don't take over. Don't let them look like they are your slave. If you are not there, they will not eat. Because you are helping them, you have now become their master. And they must bow down to you. Say, no, 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 no. No, don't do that. If you teach, stick to your message. If you help, help. Now, if you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Don't get bossy with those you are encouraging. That's if you have the gift of encouragement, exhortation. Exhort people. Encourage them. But don't become their God that they look up to you every time. If you are put in charge of people, do not manipulate them. Don't twist their arms. If you are called to give aid to people, in distress, that if you have the gift of giving, and you can give money, house, shoe, those things, said to people, keep your eyes open, and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, that's those with the gift of compassion. The other version is compassion. What does it say? Don't let yourself get irritated with them, or depressed by them. Keep a smile, your face. Hello. So they know that God knows that if you work with a disadvantage, they can annoy you. He knows that if you give to some people, they can get something. He knows that people I was asking somebody the other day, so oh the only people what Ghanaians understand the people who command them. So you command them bring this it's my birthday. Bring this bring this otherwise you manipulate them, they are happy. But he says do not manipulate them. So For teachers and leaders. Go back to these two passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And see what you are building with. Romans chapter 6. Look at the qualifiers. Look at the adjectives. And then go through it. Now this is just a sketching as background. Let me go to my straight text. That God gives us gifts and talents. So we can build his church. Five more things that we should know. First. Realize that all gifts and abilities come from God. You see, he formed you from the ground. So whatever you have, because he put his breath in you, that is why you have what you have. Hallelujah. I don't think there's any quarrel about that. They come from God. And thank God for it. If you lack something, don't cry. Because you have something that someone else does not have. Number two. Understand that not everyone has the same gifts. Paul compares it to the body. He said, look, you are a hand. Somebody is an eye. Another one is an ear. Somebody is a leg. So, if the whole body were an eye, can you, can you imagine it? An eye, where would the walking be? When you are coming, everybody will run away from you. If the whole body were a mouth, if the whole body were a leg, so understand that not everyone has the same gift. There are some because of the gift that we have and others do not have it. We tend sometimes to look down on them. But the third one, know who you are and what you do best. God gives us multiple gifts. There's no one in our spiritual gift inventory class that I saw has only one gift. But there are dominant gifts And they are secondary gifts. Know who you are and know what you do best. Focus on that. There are some who are multi-talented. Five talents, two talents, three talents. There are some who have one. Know what you have and stick with it. Dedicate your gifts to God's service and not just your personal success. The gifts that God gives us. The talent that God gives us. Sometimes it opens the doors for us to get certain jobs and opportunities. A person who can talk can talk very well because God has given them the ability to talk well and they can be an advocate, a lawyer. They can be an orator. They can be an actor of a play. And they can so act that they don't even think that this has any relationship with a gift or talent that God has given them. And they stray away from it. Dedicated not just for that. Some are beginning to realize that even football, the ability to play football, is a gift from God. I was reading about uh, money, packing money. He was, they were quoting him. Why should I buy 12 Lamborghinis? Why should I buy this? Why should I do this when my people are tired, when they are hungry, when they are this and that? He has seen how God has blessed him, and he has seen that he can use his money that he gets from his talent to bless others. So your gifts, your wiring can open doors for you, but never forget. There are someone who tells them, so don't worry, after this gift, they can't use it in the church. Right. Who told you they can't use it in the church? God gave it to you so that you, 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 you use it for yourself. Remember, don't miss it. You are a steward of God's grace. Ask him how he expects you to use it. Three, and the last one. Be willing to use like, your gift wholeheartedly, not holding back anything from God's service. When you have a gift and you see a need or God draws your attention to something, see how best you can use it in order for God's church to be blessed. Praise the Lord. So much for those long introductions because I intend to just hit a few things today. Romans chapter 12 lists seven gifts but over and over we've Focus on the fact that it is not the only passage that lists gifts. Romans 12 lists it, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. So where are the gifts li- listed in the Bible? 12, 12, 4, 4. Can you help me? 12, 12, 4, 4. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans, 1 Peter, and which is the order four? Ephesians 4. So where are the gifts listed in the Bible? 12, 12, 4, 4. You get it now. So don't let anybody take advantage of you. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. When you list them, whether you get 19 or 21 or 37, you will see. But today I'll focus on the ones that we see in Romans 12, as this is the passage that we are dealing with. And I'll add something that we have already talked about. Let's take the first one, the gift of exhortation. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, helps, and teaching. These are the ones that come straight from Romans chapter 12. These look like the service gifts. Gifts that you can put to service. And the house of God, the word of God, the church of God will change. But go to the chart for me now with evangelism and the other chart. I've added two, three of them because we've talked about these ones a lot already. What does God want to do in this church? And all these gifts are to benefit this church. I want to salute those who on Easter Sunday publicly said they have the gift of evangelism. We trained about 100 people in the family. Shashi, Nadabraka, Botiano. Some came from wherever. They came to join the group. That Even though they are not members of the church, they have come. So we prayed for them. And commission them. Because all that we are interested in. Is to depopulate hell. And populate the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And these guys. Are on a platform. I've been watching their platform. It's amazing to see. Some of them. Who are actively propagating the word of God. You see them going on mission. I see them carrying placards. Nana saw a placard with Nana and Holding a placard standing by the roadside. Doing all of that. What does a gift involve? Passionately leading others to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Passion. Passionately. If you say you have that gift, do it passionately. You are concerned because tomorrow they may die and go to hell. And you don't want them to go there. And so you are witnessing, praying with them, praying for them. That is what shows that you have that gift. And God expects you to use it in that way. The next gift is prophecy. Boldly and fearlessly proclaiming God's truth. Prophecy is one of those gifts. In the Old Testament, we find it mainly predicting that the Savior is coming. The Savior is coming. But in the New Testament, we still find that gift. But prophecy is not given so that they will tell you what you should be doing tomorrow and tomorrow next and tomorrow next. No, we walk by faith and not by sight. If you want to know every step that the Lord wants you to take, Coming to you from somebody. And not from the Lord. Not through answering your prayer. Not through reading the word of God. I'm afraid you may be following magicians. Astrologers. Astronomers. And palm readers. Hello. You may be following them. Now. we—it It is a valid gift. I'm not saying it is not. But sometimes our attitude towards these gifts are what causes the problem. That you don't think that you can move without somebody telling you whether you should go to the town, you should go to the funeral, you should not go do that. And sometimes if you go ask the prophet say something, you force him; he will say something and you find in the Bible that they say things that God said I have not even thought about it. Yeah, they say it to you. They say it and you follow. Prophecy Means boldly stay, stay stay with me. Prophecy means what? Boldly declaring what the Lord has asked you. And sometimes the prophet may not even understand what God says he should tell you. And he may not necessarily have a solution for you. You can ask a prophet say, God says, Don't go out. And then you say, So, what should I do? You say, I don't know. Ask him. You have to ask him. But If you push him, you can say, okay, don't don't go out. It means go and fast, go on the mountain. And nobody has said that. Fearlessly proclaiming God's truth. What has God said? And I can assure you that even in the Bible, some of the things that the prophet says, they do not understand. Isaiah prophesied six or seven hundred years before Jesus was born. His name shall be wonderful, counselor, prince of peace. and, And who is he talking about? We don't know. But when he came, they quoted from that same Isaiah. He's talking about Jesus 700 years later on. He's talking about him. There are things that have been said by John in the spirit, in the book of Revelation. To comfort the people of God to know that God has the final say. So he hear a lot of prophecies about the end times. John did he understand. He had no idea what he was talking about. He was only revealing truthfully what God has asked him to share. And that is why, friends, it is always important that you operate in an atmosphere where there are checks and balances, where there are prophets, where there are teachers, where there are evangelists, where the Bible is clear. If there's a prophecy, let two or three prophesy. Let one prophesy and let the others judge. Let me share with you a very interesting thing I learned from the Church of Pentecost. Is there anytime, well, I can say it because the chairman said it in public. Anytime they want to choose uh, a new chairman, the prophets of Church of Pentecost will come and say, God has chosen this person. God has chosen this. And they have reluctantly or uh, sometimes they gradually obey the prophet. This last one, they said, nobody from the College of Prophets is supposed to give any prophecy about who God has chosen. If you know it, keep it to yourself. Let all the leaders meet. Let us pray. And let us seek the will of God. And whoever God is asking you to choose, write it on paper. Let the paper declare your prophecy. Dikamagache, I'm not in your head. It's true. Your brother is an apostle. Let them write. Let them see. And all or most of them chose the current one. Does it feel God has appointed and anointed him? Yes. Can God work that way too? Yes. But when others say, that says the Lord. Mr. Megache should be the next chairman. And the man is on retirement. Now they go and bring in everybody's wondering, ah, but this man is on retirement because it has happened to them. Somebody is about to go, and the man to say, "Ah, if God says I should be the one to do it, ah, okay, I'll come." Meanwhile, the constitution says no. Everything says no. They said, "You are the one." And the guy comes, and he's tired, he's says, I'm saying, even those who have prophetic gifts and ministries and churches, learn to work within it and not let people be taking line, hook, and sinker. Next one. We went to the annual session and the prophet was teaching. He said so many things about the word of God. He said, no, these days God has decided to bless you. You don't have to give anything before God blesses you. You don't have to do this. Do this. When he finished, the moderator said, prophets must be taught by teachers. What you are saying is contrary to the word of God. You cannot say that God has suspended his word because he has revealed something to you this morning. You cannot say that. So withdraw. And the prophet had to say, I'm sorry. Hello. The prophet had to say, I'm sorry. It's the same. Agabus met Paul and said, The spirit has revealed to me that somebody whose brace it is will be tired. Will tire you will you go to Jerusalem, they will kill you. Paul said, I agree. Then the man added, don't go to Jerusalem. Paul said, I beg you. The spirit has told me that look, death is waiting for me in Jerusalem, I will go. It has never happened that the prophet has died outside Jerusalem. So, Agabus, you've seen something that you have seen. But as for the interpretation and the jar, keep it yourself. You hear me? Oh, you are quiet, eh? All right, okay, thank you. And so, Paul said, I've heard you, but he'll go. And he went there. He had his troubles. But he knew God was with him in the trouble. Go to the next one. So teachers played their role. Exhortation. Motivating others to action, application, and purpose. When you hear the word of God, and so what? What do we do with it? Or sometimes we become so discouraged. We know the word of God. But sometimes you get so discouraged. There are some people today, they call them motivational speakers. But you know, long before he had the ministry of motivational speakers... God himself had this motivational spiritual gift. They know exactly where you are heading or when you tell them, God tells them, look, motivate this person. We will not end. The whole of the book of Revelation is just telling you one story. Who has the final say? Jehovah has the final say. The book of Psalms, look, do not rejoice over me, my enemies. When I fall, I'll rise again. And there are people, when you are so discouraged, just say, my brother, I'm here. Just minister to me. Do we know those who in this congregation say they have the gift of exhortation? That you are discouraged. Life is beating you. Left and right. Confusion. You've lost your job. You are not getting what you want. Job is not going well. Marriage is not going well. You are confused. Health issues. And you are just not You don't even think you want to pray. There are others who are and be motivated to action and they will encourage you. Like Barnabas stood beside Paul that I know this brother. Paul, God has called you for a purpose and you must live to fulfill this purpose. And Paul himself got up and said, "Yes, yes, yes. It is true." Hallelujah. Gift of exhortation. Then there's another gift, shepherding. This is a very big gift. There are people who oversee Train, feed, lead, and coach. A church is blessed when they have people who go out and bring them in, like the evangelist. But in the house, who are the teachers? Who are the shepherds? Who are those who oversee, who train, who feed, who coach, and who lead them? These are babies who are the ones who guide them. And not only babies, even up till the time when you are gone and you are no more, you will need teachers to teach you and to correct you. Do we listen to them? Today we would have been celebrating the deacon's ministry. And that's why this thing comes in handy. Their task is overseeing, training, feeding, coaching, and leading. And sometimes they get bogged in a lot of things that are not their core. And sometimes because this ministry happens outside, some of us don't even see, we don't even recognize it. When they ask people, what do deacons do? So they come and serve communion. Uh, I, I, uh, you see, we don't... Uh, which the deacons were saying, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they are saying. Because that's not the only thing they do. There are a lot of things they do behind the scene, But this is the big part of it. Yes, our shipfold and the small group ministries are weak. Because this part of the work has fallen into use. Some of the sheep who need to be shepherded have become goats and squirrels. You call them, they will not come. It is only when they are in trouble as say, eh, Deacon, eh, Pastor, eh, Shepherd, eh, then it starts stammering. Then you know they need help. But the shepherd will never refuse giving help to those who need help. But interestingly, when a sheep runs away from the sheepfold, they get themselves into trouble. When you leave the coverage and the protection of your house, you get yourself into trouble. So ask the prodigal son. His father is caring for him, praying with him, the brother is here, everything is in the home, and he decides to go. When he got into trouble, he came back. And So when you come back, the deacons will receive you. But that's what we're here for. Because sometimes your own wounds will be there to remind you that where you went, you were beaten very well. You had some scars, broken leg, thorns in the flesh, and you came back with it. we will help bind the wound for you, but they will remind you that don't be a vagabond because a rolling stone gathers no moss. Is that your role? Are you called to doing that? But the last one he calls something, this one he calls something the gift of serving. Providing practical help, both physically and spiritually. People who have this type of gift are willing to put their gift or their service wherever it is needed. They may be big, big, big men or women in their company, in their factory, wherever, but in God's house, they are willing to serve as ushers, musicians, band boys, whatever. Wherever the need is. Providing practical help both physically and spiritually to help others. I was with uh, one of these uh, charismatic bishops and uh, sometimes I get amazed at some of the things he was doing. Then one day I saw a young man beside him and the young man was saying all kinds of things. So I asked him, who is this? He said, you talk to me and find out who he is. He said, this man He's a pilot. He says he feels called to help me. So he has resigned his job. He knows that, and God knows, that my educational background is limited. So when we go to meetings, he just sits down quietly. Whatever they are saying, he's writing notes. He's systematizing it. If I'm supposed to give a response, by the time I am ready to give the response, he just... Which is the iPad to me? And I said yes. As we were talking, and as the Lord leads, I read his speech. Ditto, dito, Dito? and it makes sense. I say, this man does it for you. I say yeah. I say really. So well, if we are not my friend, I wouldn't have told you. <laughs> Hello, there's somebody putting his help to help another person, physically, spiritually, because somebody has said that if you can, you can fly an aeroplane. But I don't need to know how to repair that airplane. Mr. Akuhini, I think you can tell that. Eh? Does your dad fly aircraft? He doesn't fly the aircraft. But he knows how to regulate it. That's right. He knows how to make sure it works well. But he doesn't need to fly it. So somebody can be flying. The pastor, this and that. And there are so many of you who can see things wrong with any group. But you have the skill, you have the talent, you have the energy. Are you willing to serve? And say, I can help here. And they do it without any fun, any fanfare, anything. They do it cheerfully. Any church that has people mobilized along these lines will go far. Hello? Because one can put to flight a thousand, two can put to flight how many? Ten thousand. These are the synergies that come from being in the ministry of God. And that is why God has given some people some gift. So don't tell me your archaeology, your zoology, your botany is not necessary here. It may be necessary in organizing certain things. Your skills as a librarian can take care of these things. Look at these children who are here. I was just telling you, Look at those who are helping them, some practical help. I just felt the spirit of God me go down, and I went down and I saw this child weeping. Where's it? Your, where's your mother? He was just looking. Where's your father? I don't. Know. He just. <laughs> he said, Why? I was holding the child. That brought him here to come and look for help. Then the president of the counselor said, Pastor, I'll take it and look for that person. We come to church, we come to church to worship God. And we all love to be where they will sing and clap and dance. Who should be at the background? For some, as Milton said, they also serve that but stand and wait. Hallelujah. So they need more workers. Look at this. Look at these teachers. Can you stand up and see them? How many children do you have there? Look at the teachers. Look at them. Look at them. How many children are there? Look at them. Look. Is it right? Is it fair? Are they the ones called? Is somebody called to this area? I'm trying to make it practical. Look, look, look at them. Sorry for using my left. You oh, all know I'm a lefty, so it doesn't matter. Let me use my right hand. <laughs> look, look at them. This is just compassion children. They need volunteers to love them. The other children are about 300. Can we reach out to them? How many ushers do we have in this church? Does it embarrass us that you go to the park there, you see only one or two gentlemen ushering? Does it embarrass us? Hello? Some people came and said, Pastor, why don't we have multiple services? The youth came. Why don't we have multiple services? I said, there's no, there's no problem with having multiple services. The building is there. We bought it I mean, we paid for it, and I will be glad God gets angry that you are misusing the place. Because you are using over and over and over and over again like Adaraka. Services starts at 6 a.m. till 2. And they are over and over every time the toilet is breaking, something is breaking us. Oh God, why don't you just give us a new facility? Now he's giving us one. Here, we are all 8 o'clock people. Can we have multiple services? Some coming at 7 to 11. 11 to 1, 1 to 3, Saturday, Sunday. Yes, we can. But the only thing is that we do not have the people who are willing to service these churches. Where are the instrumentalists? Where are the ushers? Where are the counselors? Where are this and that? They all like 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock they close and go home. May the Lord convert you today in Jesus' name. Oh, I didn't hear the amen. Ah. Providing practical help, both physically and spiritually. So that you've told me that, oh, where we are is too hot. I said, I know it's too hot. If somebody decides to buy a condition and put it there, we all know what is nice. Everybody knows what is nice. We all know it, don't we all know it? So don't tell me that we, one day we'll finish this place. But how to get there is dependent on you and I. And fortunately, the Lord tells us how to get there. Next one. If you have the gift, this one, Mercy. Showing mercy. Identify with those in need and those who need comfort. Welfare. Farewell. The poor. The marginalized. Showing mercy. Showing them. Let me say it properly as a pastor uh, without any apology. We came here to start a church that should be the extension of the second service of Adabraka English Church. That's what motivated us to come here. And that's what many people believe we came here to do or they wanted. And we came here. We saw the community around us. The people. They not so affluent. We have a choice. Either to drive through and leave them there. And Let them find their own level. Or reach out to them. Reach out to them. And they've come here. They are with us. Some are in the library. Some are our children. And I promise you, some of them, hmm, when they are praying and they enter the room, I saw why uh, the room is filled with their glory. Hello, you understand. With their sweat, their breath, they are here, who trains them? The gift of mercy, identifying and comforting those in need and helping those who need. There's something called redemption and lift, salvation and lift, that you bring them up, you train them, you groom them, you help them to read, to write. and we are the ones to do it. And for some, these challenges gives you ministry opportunity to earn a crown in Jesus' name. hallelujah. To give you a crown. A star. The only thing they can say is thank you. God bless you. Some of them may not even say thank you. I mean, they help me a lot. When I'm passing, they don't even know who I am. They don't even know who I am. So they go oh, how are you? Fine. And they leave. By the way, there was a funny one last two weeks. Because of the park here, some people try to park here and go to the mall. So there was this guy and the wife who successfully outwitted the security men by telling them, they are members of the church. So they allowed him to park there. I mean, they can park, but for security reasons and responsibilities, they want to know, be sure they are members. So I was standing minding my business in the garden working. It's a construction site, so I don't normally spot and come here. I address normal casual. So I was standing there with the work people. The guy with his wife and child came and passed by me. Not that many important person, anyway. He just passed by. He didn't even greet me. Only the security man was standing there looking at him. So he ran to him and said, Please stop. Said, yeah. Did you say you're a member of this church? He said, Yes. Did you see your pastor? He said, Who is he? <laughs> 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 ah, you come to church here? Yeah? <laughs> but that, that I had moved. I was standing there. He, he just, he said, <laughs> you didn't see him. I, you don't come to church yet. I'm telling you, you don't come to church yet. They said, yes. and My wife and I, we just want to go to the mall. Say said, why don't you tell the truth? So the guy looked at me, the security and I said, it's okay, it's okay. Now that he has told the truth, let him go. So the man looked and said, oh, pastor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had mercy on him. All I'm saying is that, so we came here and we found people who need the love and the help and the mercy of God? Remember what we read from the from the message: Do it cheerfully. Do it without getting depressed. Hello, go back to that message. Say, do it. Show mercy to those who need mercy without getting depressed. I think they, they got it. They read it back again. And so there are people here needing it that you can use. Your gift to help them. Two more, I believe. Now, just just don't worry. Don't go back to that one. We've dealt with it already. I'm teaching, so let me just take my time and teach and finish in a couple of minutes. Giving. Releasing material resources, whether they are money, homes, cars, clothing, shoes. Material resources to further the work of the church of God. Giving. This assumes that you know that you are a steward. And now we said, you give to God's work cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. You give because you see a need. You give over and above what what the Lord tells you. The 10% is only a guide. There are people who give reverse of 10%. They give 90% away and keep 10%. It's according to your measure of faith and the the way the Lord has blessed you. But by all means, they know that it is good to give to the Lord's work. Because you promote what you love. You cannot say you love. You try that with your girlfriend, or with your boyfriend, with your teacher. Or try that by going to a palace. Can you go to a palace, a chief's palace in this country and go empty-handed? Really? No, you don't go to a chief's palace. You are the one from the... You don't go empty-handed. You can't go to a chief's palace and say you are poor. Really? So if you are poor, you don't go to the cheese palace. In God's house, if you are poor, you can come. But that's why the widow knows that she can come. And even if it's five pesos, she can give it. That's why I don't agree with people who say, we don't like coins here. If the coin is what you have, truly, if that's what God gave you, you can give it back to him. He will take it. But if he gave you one million, you come and give him two CDs or two persuasions, I will not deal with you. He knows how to deal with you but give cheerfully to support the work that God wants to be done. Giving literally and liberally. And that's what we are trying to emphasize among many things. But to help you to know that it is not the only thing we are stewards of. We are stewards of all of these givings. What do we need? The gift of administration. Organizing, administering, promoting, and leading. There are people who are gifted in such a way that if you don't have them in a group, the group feels so disorganized. Church deals with structures. It's a human and spiritual organization. And so, there's administration. Who is where? Who is in which, which shift? Do they give their tithe? Do they have classes? Which classes? What's their age group? They have all these things that they do. I was pleasantly surprised some time ago going to a huge church in the U.S. And I saw a man drive to that church in a huge, one of those they are big cars. I think their petrol is as cheap as water. So he drove there. And when the man got down, he was carrying a caddy. These things that they use for cleaning. And I saw he had a glass cleaner. He had this uh, squeegee and towels and all these other things in it. I said, ah. Then he parked the car. Then he went to the front desk and greeted the lady. Then the lady, the lady took a chart and said, "Go to room 12, 13, 14." So I was standing there looking. I said, "Ah, is this man the janitor of this church?" And he came with this car. Wow! After he finished, so how long are you going to stay? So one, one and a half hours. But well, if he gets done quickly, I'll go back. When he was still moving around the church, when the man sat in his car and out of curiosity, I just went beside him. And I saw that he had some suit and briefcase at the back. So I went to the front desk. What is this? I said, oh, this man is a church member. He works in a bank not far away. He has put his name down for cleaning three classrooms a week. So he comes to clean it. He said, for what? He said, that's the service that he thinks he can offer. Do you pay him? He said, oh, no, no. Pay him what? Didn't you see the car he came with? Didn't you see he brought his own thing? So he, I said, ah, but how do you get to him? He said, yes. We ask volunteers to do what they need to do. We schedule them, we administer them. And so this church, that's 15,000 people, has 11 caretakers. The caretakers, our job, is to invite these volunteers to come and clean here. And we make sure they have the facilities, everything is in place. We use our, we organize them, we administer them, we promote them. And if they won't come, they tell us that we tell some other people to come. So essentially, our department of caretaking is organization and administration, and the church members do the work. I said, my God, really? Some Calvaryans left and went to a certain church at an industrial area. Say, said, Pastor, come and see how your church members have left there and they are carrying buckets to go and flush the toilet of the church they are now attending. I said, but when they were here, even if the tables are not straight, they don't even straighten them. I said, because we may not have taught them. But for everything we need, we need leadership, administration. Any group can be formed in a church provided there is administration. Any group, criers, plumbers, fetus, first service, second service, third service, can we have all of those things? And so, what is my response or your response to all of this? God does not make mistakes. Whatever God is doing, he lines up things to sort out this world. So let's look at some of the gifts that he has given to you and I. We are talking about the gift that God has given for us to transform this world. Today we are talking about stewardship through service. Using what God has given to each one of us. The world has needs, but God has provision to meet all of these needs. Provided you and I recognize our gift, utilize it, and use it for God's intended purpose. So, the need of the world is salvation. Who are those to go? Everybody must go, particularly Those with the gift of what? Oh, help me. You can see with the gift of what? Evangelism. Yes, there are all kinds of sin in the world. LBGTQ, uh, uh, all kinds of things. uh, Bribery, corruption. All kinds of sin in the world. They are there. They can't stop. But what does God want you and I to do about it? The gift of what? That says the Lord. Prophecy. If you continue in this. You are going to hell. Preach, teach, and tell them the eternal destiny. Between the gift of evangelism and prophecy, they take care of these two. What about doctrine? All those who are there, who think that the leader they are following is an angel or his this and that, they should buy water, they should buy cocoa, they should put shea butter in it and do all kinds of things. They do not even know from left to right. Who are those to help them? The gift of what? Teaching. Are you teaching someone? The new people who have come, are we teaching them? There are some who have heard a lot but they can't decide between truth and error. Or they are just discouraged. They need to know who can help them. They are even discouraged. They don't know whether God is still alive, God can help them or not. Who can help them? They are Christians. They need help. Who can help them? The gift of what? Exhortation. I'm just trying to give you some idea overseeing, coaching. The new members who have come, the, new, the old members who are not growing, those who run shifts, those who have challenges, and they are not growing. Those who need to be put in shiftfolds, to serve in auxiliaries, to be taught, and to make sure they grow. Who are those to help them? This is the gift of shepherding. There are some who need comfort, direction, be trained as children or as adults, they have needs those with the gift of what mercy and showing compassion and showing a, giving a helping hand. Giving a helping hand, those the gift of serving. Financial aid. Some have been blessed with more than others. With the gift of giving, they can help these people. Finally, there are some who can put all of these things together. The gift of leadership, administration, and governance. Friends, God says, if we do these things, we'll have a better organized world and a better organized church. Today I'm making one particular appeal before I come to the altar call. Are we taking the gift inventory to know what your gift is? If not, we do have some available Or go online. This is English service. Go online. That you want to do something. But more importantly, try various things that I've talked about. If you feel passionate about something, try and join a group. For the groups, let me say this. People may not join a certain group because when they join the group, you ask them, where were you when we came here? Don't do that. Let them join you. Do you feel comfortable using that gift in that group to Have others said you seem to have a gift when you are using that gift in their midst? If you can sing and the birds fly away, you have to think twice. Does God bless others when you use that gift? The last one. Growing your natural gift into your spiritual counterpart. You may have a natural gift at football. Is there any crossover into the house of God What do you think? How can you use it? Can you teach children playing football for them to know how to have teamwork, how to work together, how to forgive others, how to have an aim, a goal, and use it? So, I need a coordinator. Today I'm asking for somebody who has a gift of administration. Trying to launch volunteer ministries in this church. Organize volunteers' ministry. People who can come here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and do counseling and do teaching. People who join the counselors. People who join the ushers. People who join any group. Do you have a gift of having with volunteers? You see, there are some people who are retired but they are not tired. I used to be in a hospital serving. And there were people who just come there and all they do is stand at the gate, show somebody this is ward one. This is small ward, This is for a painting This is dispensary. This is that. And at the end of the day, they live so fulfilled. But somebody manages them. That's what I'm talking about. If you have a gift of administration, you have leadership, you have a previous experience in mobilizing and helping volunteers to work. Let's talk. You can contact me through the bulletin, or will be glad to work with you. May the Lord bless us. May we celebrate this day, having special attention to the compassionate children, showing them our love. And above all, may we do whatever he has called us to do, faithfully, cheerfully, to give glory to his name. Amen.